Hello and welcome to a VJ Hemonk podcast. We are a global, open access multimedia channel that brings you the latest research updates in hematological oncology. Today, we will be discussing updates in acute myeloid leukemia, including a phase three trial of omidubicel versus standard umbilical cord blood transplantation, tyrosine kinase inhibitor maintenance in FLT3 ICD positive acute myeloid leukemia, FLAMSA approaches to allogeneic stem cell transplantation, and novel antibody therapies. First up, Guillermo Sanz from the University Hospital La Fe in Valencia, Spain, gives a summary of the results of a phase three trial comparing omidubicel with standard umbilical cord blood transplantation in patients with high-risk hematologic malignancies who do not have a suitable matched donor. The main goals of our study were to show if we could shorter the time to neutrophil engraftment, the time to platelet engraftment, the incidence of bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and also to show if there was any advantages in the 100 days alive and out to hospital of the patients transplanted with omidubicel. And uh, we achieved those goals. Thus, uh, we believe that omidubicel should be, after this trial, the standard of care for patients who need a cold blood transplant. We were able to demonstrate that omidubicel was capable of allowing a 100 to 130 expansion of the CD34 positive cells in the graft. And in the end, the median number of CD34 cells infused to the patient with omidubicel was 9 per 10 to the 6 per kilo, whereas it was only 0.3 10 to the 6 per kilo in patients receiving a standard course. And I, I would like to stress that this number of stem cells that are given in a transplant that is expanded with omidubicel is greater than the one achieved with both bone marrow and peripheral blood transplantation from an adult donor. And uh, we uh, hypothesize that if we were able to achieve these very high numbers of stem cells in the graft, we could reduce the time to engraftment in patients receiving cold blood transplantation. And that was the case uh, because patients uh, receiving uh, omidubicel had only 12 days to platelet, uh, sorry, to uh, neutrophil engraftment compared to 22 days in patients receiving a standard cold blood transplantation that in two thirds of the cases was a double cold blood transplant. And it was the same for platelet engraftment. And we were also able to show a 20% reduction in the number of bacterial and fungal infections in the 100 days after transplant 
and also in the days alive and out of hospital in, in patients transplanted with omidui cell that was 61 days versus 40 days for patients receiving the control uh, transplant. And uh, we are very satisfied with the results of, of this trial. And, and we believe that omidui cell will be a will receive a very fast approval by the FAD and, and the EMA uh, regulatory agencies. Secondly, Nico Gagelmann of the University Medical Center Hamburg-Eppendorf in Hamburg, Germany, outlines the findings of a meta-analysis investigating tyrosine kinase inhibitor maintenance therapy after stem cell transplantation for patients with FLIP3 ITD-positive acute myeloid leukemia. Our main goal was uh, to elaborate a, a bit more on the effects of TKI maintenance after stem cell transplantation in FLIP3 ITD mutated acute myeloid leukemia. There was aggregating evidence during the last two years with prospective studies and smaller retrospective studies with a potential benefit of TKI maintenance after stem cell transplantation. But in stem cell transplantation, there is a, a lack of evidence creation. So we have many, many retrospective studies and small prospective studies. And if we have the luxury to get two prospective studies, which were just published um, over the last year for TKI maintenance, especially Zorafenib in uh, FLIT3 ATD, AML, and a newly prospective study of mitostorin for TKI maintenance, in FLIT3 ITD AML and smaller retrospective studies. So we wanted to synthesize this evidence and found that TKI maintenance, irrespective of the TKI, so mitostorin or zorafenib, significantly improved the relapse-free survival, the incidence of relapse, and especially the overall survival. What we then found was that there was no particular difference between um, TKI maintenance and the control group, which was mainly placebo in non-relapse mortality, but there seemed to be a difference and an increased chronic GVHD and acute GVHD, especially for studies which um, investigated Zorafenib. These findings underscore the benefit of TKI maintenance for these patients, but also highlight future research opportunities to identify whether, especially Zorafenib, for which uh, the most, benefit, uh, most evidence exists for its benefit for now, whether Zorafenib has potential to create some GVL effect, which would then also uh, be correlated with the acute GVHD and chronic GVHD incidences we see, which are increased after zorafenib therapy, or whether this is mainly a difficult differential diagnosis because the main toxic effects of zorafenib were skin toxicity. And this differential diagnosis between skin GVHD and skin toxicity need to be, need to be more identified and researched more over the next uh, few months, hopefully, or even the few years. So we found 
in overall a significant benefit of TKI maintenance, especially for Zerafinib and future prospects for GVHD evaluations and create the basis for future studies on TKI maintenance and maintenance overall in these patients, patient subgroups in AML. Next, Mohamed Moti of the Saint-Antoine Hospital in Paris, France, discusses allogeneic stem cell transplantation for patients with refractory acute myeloid leukemia, highlighting fludarabine and cycrine cytarabine, also known as FLAMSA, approaches. This is really a very exciting era when it comes to novel drugs in acute myeloid leukemia, and we are very fortunate having half a dozen, if not more than uh, nine, seven, I stopped counting them, FDA approvals for new drugs in AML. However, when it comes to relapse refractory AML, we need to acknowledge that none of these uh, treatments is uh, curative and there is still room uh, in a significant number of patients for allogenic stem cell transplantation. So in another word, if we have a patient who is relatively young, fit, who is a suitable donor, we should not neglect the option of allogenic stem cell transplantation. And this has been the philosophy of the uh, FLAMSA or FLAMSA-like approach, which is about like combining a sort of a cytoreductive uh, treatment plus a conditioning regimen followed by transplantation and uh, some uh, interventions uh, after transplantation uh, to prevent uh, disease recurrence. And today, uh, when we look to the available uh, evidence from retrospective studies, but also from perspective data, uh, we can appreciate that we can achieve uh, something around 30 to 35% long uh, leukemia-free survival at two years, which is really uh, highly significant in the population of relapse refractory uh, AML. So today, having a huge variety of donors, uh, especially with the advent of haplodonors, uh, we should really uh, never uh, neglect this allotransplant option when it comes to relapse refractory uh, AML because we can achieve some long-term survival in a subgroup of patients. Finally, Farhad Ravandi of the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas, shares an update on the most promising novel antibody therapies for the treatment of acute myeloid leukemia. Antibody therapy in AML uh, has been also a, a strategy that has been of a lot of interest. Um, of course, uh, first you have to have a target antigen. And I think uh, the uh, first target antigen that has been looked at, uh, CD33, um, has proven that uh, the strategy can be uh, effective. Uh, we now have uh, gemtuzumab ozogomycin, uh, which is a CD33-directed humanized antibody linked to a potent toxin called calichromycin. And as everybody knows, this drug has been approved uh, by FDA uh, in combination for chemotherapy in the frontline setting and also in the relapse setting. Uh, it does uh, demonstrate the efficacy of this uh, 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 mode of uh, um, uh, therapy uh, which uh, involves using antibody-directed 
uh, add specific antigens on AML uh, blasts. Of course, there are a number of other antigens and other strategies. Um, CD123, for example, is another antigen that is being evaluated as a uh, target. And also uh, by specific antibodies. Uh, we, these are antibodies that uh, not only recognize the uh, antigen on the AML blasts, but also the CD33, CD3 on the surface of T cells and thereby redirecting T cells to the leukemic cells and uh, activating them and causing uh, leukemic cell killing. Uh, these uh, early studies and phase one setting and now phase two are ongoing with a variety of agents such as uh, uh, the flutetuzumab as well as uh, AMG330, AMG673, AMG427, and XMAP14045. So potentially they will provide us with uh, future uh, uh, options. Uh, another uh, antibody uh, drug uh, conjugate that is being evaluated is the um, uh, immunogen uh, anti-CD3 and CD123 compound. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Follow us on Twitter at VJHemonk and share your thoughts on the topics discussed with us. Visit VJHemonk.com for the latest updates from the experts themselves, as well as exclusive coverage in the field of acute myeloid leukemia. Be sure to subscribe to VJHemonk podcasts, which are available on Spotify, Apple and Podbean.